This podcast is not for the easily offended, victimhood enthusiasts, or those who take themselves too seriously, namely cyclists, conspiracy theorists, personal trainers, and other fanatics. Your Hobby is Shit is a nerd-free environment which strongly discourages dickheads from listening. Authorised by Sean Woodland for Your Hobby is Shit. For a long time now, humans have invented, inadvertently stumbled across and participated in a variety of activities we now know as hobbies. We use them for pleasure, to reduce corporate guilt, to escape the misery of home life and to help deny the grim reality that awaits us all. From the bizarre, obsessive and psychologically illuminating to the downright ludicrous, whatever your hobby, this podcast is going to pull it apart. So whack in your headphones. Get into your hobby with a vengeance and prepare to be exposed because I'm Sean Woodland and your hobby is shit. Welcome to episode two of Your Hobby is Shit. It's my absolute pleasure to be here to critique another activity some of you might find enjoyable and others might be considering taking up. Uh, Before I get started, there was quite a bit of audience feedback in regard to my expose on cycling in episode one. To be fair, I deliberately started with the low-hanging fruit, certain in the knowledge I'd received some blistering abuse in return. And I wasn't to be disappointed, though sadly, it's not just road rules that cyclists have trouble following. It seems they have difficulty with other basic instructions too. Despite my requesting that abusive messages be sent in audio format so we can all have a laugh, not one responded respectfully to my appeal. Nevertheless, I did receive some written feedback. Firstly, Gideon from the Sunshine Coast. Gideon says, I hope you die. Fairly forthright there, Gideon, and thanks for your contribution. Undoubtedly, I will die. Like all of us, it's just a matter of when. In fact, with a name like Gideon and living in the bogan state of rum-guzzling Queenslanders, you're doing quite well to be alive yourself, old chap. Uh, Then we had Victoria, and she said, You are the sort of person I hope gets run over. Thanks, Victoria. Quite ironic for a cyclist to say something like that. Whilst I appreciate your passion, I'd say that, like the people in your namesake Australian state, it's probably best you are kept in lockdown. And if it makes you feel any better, I've been run over twice. Once by a car at the age of five, and once by a cyclist at the age of 40. A cyclist who was riding on the footpath and ended up carrying his jaw home in a sling. So there we have it. That was just a sample of some of the thought-provoking responses with correct spelling and punctuation that I received after episode one. Keep them coming. And on with the show. For this week, I've chosen one of the most gobsmackingly boring activities that's ever existed. Quite a long time ago, I worked, and I use that term loosely, in the public service in Canberra. Ten years I did. In a futile attempt to look busy, I carried the same piece of paper around the dull, cold corridors for the duration of my employment. On the rare occasion I sat at my desk, paralysed by the tedium of inactivity, I usually resembled one of those talentless silver-painted buskers. So I thought I knew boring. Did I fuck? Then I went stand-up paddleboarding, also known as SUP. S-U-P, if you're the sort of twat who likes acronyms and does a stupid hang ten sign with your hand when you wave at people. Watching a paddleboarder drift pointlessly across a body of water begs the question, 
what is the point? And it's a fair question. Two years ago, a close mate asked me to go stand up paddleboarding with him. Obviously, we're no longer mates. And that's not just because he turned up wearing those hideous rubber shoes with an individual compartment for each toe. Still, he'd asked, and when I finished laughing at him, I realised he had a straight face. So out of curiosity, but mostly sympathy, I agreed to go. An hour into paddleboarding. Well, I may as well have been a snail making my way across the MCG. I felt a sense of achievement similar to that when I correctly answered one of my seven-year-old daughter's maths questions. My heart rate surpassed 55 once, and that was when the wake of some arsehole jet skier caused me to topple into the water. I'd sooner listen to a soon-to-be-divorced, dead-inside accountant talk me through his renovations for an hour than go paddleboarding ever again. I say that because my mate was the soon-to-be-divorced, dead-inside accountant, and I did have to listen to him talk about his renovations for an hour when we'd finished paddleboarding. And no, the renovations didn't save the marriage. They never do. Nor did his participation in a shit hobby. First, a bit of history. Stand-up paddleboarding is the act of propelling yourself on a floating platform with the help of a paddle or pole. It sounds riveting already, doesn't it? Indigenous cultures from around the world have done a variation of paddleboarding for thousands of years, just that they didn't give it a dickhead name like SUP. Also, their drifting across the water served a purpose. They were spearing fish so they could eat. Yep, there was no ordering Uber Eats to risk the life of a pushbike riding asylum seeker back then. And not at any point while conducting my comprehensive research for this hobby did I find a reference to earlier cultures getting into paddleboarding because it was a trend for the vacuous middle classes, those too uncoordinated or scared to surf, but still keen on pretending they're doing something cool. Which, in a nutshell, is all that paddleboarding really is. Now, let's have a look at the skill set required for stand-up paddleboarding. These are standing, balancing and holding a stick. Fuck me, and they've got a World Cup for this shit. Unsurprisingly, paddleboarding federations have lobbied to have paddleboarding included in the 2021, need 2020, Tokyo Olympics and the 2024 Paris Olympics. Its embarrassing submissions have been refused both times, and rightly so. The shame in having to tell your grandkids you've won a medal in that shit is beyond my comprehension. The Olympic motto is faster, higher, stronger, none of which apply to paddleboarding. If the Olympic motto was slower, boring, unwatchable, the paddleboarders might have a case. That fanatics can't just participate in an activity without becoming righteous twats who end up assuming their shitty little hobby is somehow deserving of a place in the Olympic Games baffles me. To be fair, how the fuck breakdancing usurped paddleboarding to gain entry for 2024 is beyond me, but I'm glad it did. Skateboarding, proper surfing and sport climbing, whatever the fuck that is, were also preferred over the exceedingly banal paddleboarding. Other actual sports to be knocked back for Olympic entry include squash and softball, which is fair enough because they're shit too. If paddleboarding is ever included in the Olympics, whatever credibility the Games has left will dissolve faster than my interest in race walking, and they might as well throw in watering the lawn as an event. However, 
Due to the ban on yelling and cheering at this year's Tokyo Olympics, if ever there was a game suited to watching something as cerebrally paralysing as paddleboarding, this year's would be it. Despite requiring such basic expertise, wannabe paddleboarders can pay a professional up to 110 bucks an hour for a lesson. A professional being some charming and charismatic charlatan without a conscience who can look into the eyes of someone and see the void in their soul and the dispensable income in their wallet. Remember that time you paid a professional to teach your toddler to stand up and balance? Of course you fucking don't. I found an introductory video to help people learn the skills to paddleboard. Have a listen to this. First they remind you to pick up the paddle before you stand up in case you're a dickhead. Be sure to grab your paddle on the way up. And remember, the more momentum you have, the more stable you'll be. Just like riding a bike. <laughs> as easy as riding a bike. The most effective stroke. You'll want to be upright with your knees unlocked. Place your hand on top of the paddle and the other halfway down the shaft. The top arm will be extended with just a slight bend in the elbow, and the bottom arm will be angled. And there you go. <laughs> if paddleboarding doesn't end up being your thing, you can always use those skills to dish out hand shandies down at the local rub and tug. Like any wanker hobby, stand-up paddleboarding costs. Big. It's not in the league of cycling for financial indulgence, but it's still expensive when the complete lack of joy and excitement are factored in. Inflatable paddleboards commence at around 200 bucks. These are for povos and those without roof racks. However, most people prefer to spend big when commencing a new hobby. This reinforces the illusion that something of significance has taken place and that whatever is broken inside them might mend with the significant outlay of cash. Anywhere up to and even beyond two and a half grand can be spent on a board that more often than not will end up spending most of its time in the garage with your assorted gym equipment. Of course, you'll also need a wetsuit, a leash, a life jacket, a rescue whistle, headlamp, hat, shoes, and the list goes on. An essential item is the hydration reservoir, something that was once referred to as a fucking water bottle. There are different types of paddleboarding. Who would have thought? First, there's touring. This is where, instead of just floating around a bay or on a lake like an idiot, you float between two points like an idiot. Major paddleboarding touring achievements are difficult to find because, well, why would you? And who cares? Nevertheless, they do exist. I remember doing a gig for a group of paddleboarders at the Coogee Bay Hotel one year. It was a fundraiser for some poor unfortunate sod or another. One of the attendees had paddleboarded a considerable distance between two Hawaiian islands to raise money. Under normal circumstances, when someone describes a monumental achievement, I remember the details. My point is, whatever this bloke did, my little brain was unconvinced as to its significance. So much so that my eyes had glazed over and I found myself staring at a little person, or possibly jockey, on the other side of the room. After delving into the annals of paddleboarding history, I was able to find a few achievements, and, and some of them were worth sharing. Uh, in 2018, a woman named Cal Major became the first person to paddle from Land's End to John O'Groats, which not only sounds like a euphemism for scrote, but is a classic trip from the bottom of Britain to the top. And it took Cal 59 days on her paddleboard. There's a fair bit to unpack here. 
Often, records only exist because one person has been stupid enough to attempt something, you know, like hopping across the Simpson Desert with a finger in your bum. And I'd suggest Cal's is a record of similar ilk. 59 days. She could have driven that in 11 and a half hours. I've driven further just to buy ciggies. Now, whether or not her journey took so long because she was stabbed off the coast of Scotland and spent a month in hospital, I wasn't able to ascertain. Still, any amount of time spent along the godforsaken dreary grey waters of Britain must have felt like she was watching bad boy Bubby on loop. So, well done to you, Cal. You're, you're a credit to your family. The longest journey by a stand-up paddleboarder I could find was 2,641.3 kilometres. This was uh, by a bloke on the Ganges River in India. Shilpika Gautam from England took three and a half months to complete the journey. He attempted the record-breaking distance to raise awareness about the importance of clean water supplies. I'd have thought this achievement would have had a bit more credibility and carried some more weight if he'd actually swum in it rather than floating on top of the filthy water Um, and I'd assume that he he wasn't shitting and pissing in the river Uh, I'm sure you can find more stand-up paddleboarding records in fact I'm positive you can because I did but most of them aren't worthy of wasting your time or mine unless you're captivated by achievements that are carried out at a slower pace than my old man walks In addition to paddleboard touring, there is also stand-up paddleboarding surfing. Uh, So it appears that the more capable practitioners are able to catch waves, which makes it surfing. Just that the surfer isn't talented enough to use a proper surfboard or even one of those longboards that midlife crisis men try to learn on. So they use what is essentially an enormous fucking pontoon instead. And the paddle, I guess it becomes a weapon for slugging anyone who drops in on a wave the paddleboarder is cheating on. I beg your pardon. Catching. Another form of this shit hobby is paddleboard fishing. The spectacle of watching some dickhead rip from their board while holding a paddle in one hand and a fishing rod in the other when anything larger than a pan-sized whiting snavels their bait, I'd pay to see that. And finally, there is yoga paddleboarding. Of course there fucking is. There's not much that those pursuing spiritual fulfilment won't appropriate so long as a hefty financial transaction takes place to confirm its authenticity. And paddleboarding is no exception. When having a crack at yoga paddleboarding, it is recommended that you're a vacuous attention seeker or an insipid Instagram influencer. Also, that you use an inflatable paddleboard. Not only are these cheaper than their fiberglass counterparts, but they also prevent serious injury when the inevitable tumble occurs and your empty head smacks into the board. Incredibly, you can die from stand-up paddleboarding, and not as you'd expect from boredom. Only recently, three people died on the same weekend in the United States, all drowned in windy conditions. At least one of them decided he would try to swim back to shore instead of remaining on what is essentially a fucking boat. There are very few reported cases of sharks attacking stand-up paddleboards. The sharks probably don't bother recognising that the poor bastard is already dead inside. Paddleboarding is relatively safe, but that's the price you pay for a lack of joy. Paddleboarding enthusiasts claim that it's both good exercise and great for the core. These meek justifications prove only that denial is an extremely powerful psychological tool. 
Paddleboarding is to exercise what sweeping the footpath is to exercise. It fucking isn't. Paddleboarding is the same as doing almost but not quite nothing while standing on the water like an idiot. The most exercise a paddleboarder gets is when lugging the gargantuan floating vessels from their car to the water's edge. As for being great for the core, Jesus wept. Based on that flimsy logic, do you know what else is great for the core? Standing. Something I can do pretty much anywhere without spending two and a half thousand bucks on a massive piece of fiberglass to do it. I've stood while having trouble balancing at the pub for hours at a time and no one has ever walked up to me and said, wow, that's great for your core. Paddleboarding is the perfect hobby for the type of dullard who has no zest for life, still listens to that boring as fuck Jack Johnson album, or has already paid for their funeral. If paddleboarding was a class A drug, it would hit you with all the intensity of a homeopathic remedy. I will say this though, stand up paddleboarding, watching poorly balanced fat people fall off them provides one of life's true joys. And before you come at me with your fat shaming, I identify as fat. Fat is what it is. That's what I'm going to call it. Paddleboarding, I only get a little bit of pleasure from saying this. Your hobby is shit. Thank you for listening. I'll be back each and every week with harsh but fair critiques of shit hobbies. You can find the podcast wherever you listen to them. Chances are, you already have. Be an upstanding citizen, do the right thing, and share the podcast with your friends, even if you don't like it. You can even give us a review if you want. You can find your hobby is shit on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Your feedback is welcomed. Send your suggestions for shit hobbies in and I'll get to them in due course. For those of you with a penchant for complaining and whinging, you know who you are. Please do so in audio format so the rest of us can have a laugh at your expense in future episodes. Just use the Voice Memos app on your iPhone or whatever it is you weirdos with other phones use. Thanks again, listeners. You're a credit to your families. My name's Sean Woodland and your hobby is shit. Incredibly, you can die stand-up paddleboarding and not as you would expect from boredom. Only... Oh. Yeah, why do I 